Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast. We are up to number 68. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Trauma, and somewhere in the northern wilds of Chicago is Liverpool <laughs> Neil. How are you doing, Neil? I'm doing all right, man. 68 guns. That's what we're That's at this that week. Much. What's but that? It's fun. It's not that wild, is it? Northern, northern, no. Northern. Well, you know what? There was a shooting outside my apartment two nights ago. Excellent. Yep. So at midnight on Sunday, there was uh, a nothing car- good happens. Nothing good happens after midnight now. No car crash, and then uh, pop, 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 and then wow. about a about a million uh, cop cars showed up. Yeah. Huh. So that was fun. Yeah, Chicago's great. Excellent. Come visit. So we're up. We're up to episode sixty-eight, and of course, the next one is episode sixty-nine, which we've been teasing forever. Which we've been teasing forever as our dirty show, but we have done literally zero planning on that. So hopefully that turns out all right. Oh, I got some songs, buddy. I got some songs. Right. Check it out for that one. You can, uh, you can complain, of course, at uh, Punk Till I Die seventy seven at Gmail or Punk Till I Die podcast on Facebook. We hope you enjoyed the last couple episodes where we played all the various stuff that people have been sending to us for the last few months. People seem to get a kick out of that. So yeah. anyway, w- without further ado, I, we I'm, I'm not going to ramble all day because we actually have a guest with us and. I always say we, we come across our guests in one of two ways. Either it's a long-term relationship that we spend a lot of time cultivating. Those tend to be the interviews I line up. Or we just do a band on the internet that we like, and Neil just reaches out to them, and we don't know them at all. We line them up. And those tend to be the ones that Neil lines up. I'm about 50% on those, to tell you yeah, the truth. <laughs> but this one is sort of in the middle, because Jay and I are Facebook friends, just you know, friend-to-friend kind of thing. And he's been putting a lot of effort into kind of keeping his band in people's minds, I think like, uh, like people should do during this time. So he's been doing kind of like this history of his band. So I'm like, Oh, this is a guy who wants to talk about his band. And it, and it's an interesting story. And the band's been around for almost 20 years. So we have with us today, Jay Prozac. How you doing, Jay? Oh, I'm doing awesome. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing all right. I yeah. think. Yeah, we're doing all right. Weird so times, but you know, yeah, it is weird times. So you were in Western, you were in Western Massachusetts, Jay. That is correct. So everybody, you know, obviously you think Massachusetts, you think Boston, right? Against the, uh, you know, all the way east, all the way to the ocean. Hey, hey, Tom, Tom, let, let me bust in a second, buddy, because you said yeah. you said Jay's name, but you didn't say what band it was. Oh. <laughs> Jay Prozac from the Prozac. The Sorry, Prozacs. Bro. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> so, so you know, I think of like, is it like upstate New York? Is it like the west side of Massachusetts, just like a like a vast wasteland, almost like Midwestern? Uh, not, not really. Um, I'm actually halfway between Boston and Albany. Mm. Okay. So we're 90 miles in either direction. Oh, so you, at least you got some places that you can drive like two hours to play shows. Theoretically, right? In a different world. Yeah. Theoretically. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I already screwed up, you know, because my first question was going to be, Jay, are you now or have you ever in fact been on Prozac? Oh, boy. Yeah. Let's, let's I, freaking I, cash I, that one. <laughs> not, I probably should have. It's like a HIPAA, be. like a HIPAA question. He's like, I don't have to answer that, man. That's a HIPAA violation. <laughs> no shit. So, I want to get there. Exactly. So, so you, so Prozac's been around a long time now. It's close to twenty years, right? Uh, yeah, I think we're going into the going into the twentieth year, two thousand two thousand one September. We twenty years. No kidding. Oh, was the, so what? Uh, how how did you guys get get together? You played in another band before that that I wasn't really familiar with called. Called like Grand Prix or something like that. I thought we were called the Grand Pricks. Oh, the Grand <laughs> I love it. Grand, don't worry, I definitely got that uh, mispronunciation over the years. <laughs> well, it's funny I've because never, it's, one I've those, never raced cars. it's one of those awful English words that you don't pronounce correctly, and then you guys go and 
like do the proper pronunciation. Well, I think it's French it's a, or something. Isn't it? I don't, oh, don't know oh, whether that's English. Trick. Yeah, yeah, something uh, like that. So, what kind of band so, was yeah. it? Uh, the Grand Prix were um, were a little faster. It, I'd say it's sort of like some of the Prozac stuff, but it was uh, just fast pop punk. Mm-hmm. We started out kind of a little, little edgy, little darker, dirty did, uh, type of sound. Did you put anything uh, out? Scene, yeah, yeah, we uh, we we had like seven releases. Oh wow! Okay, one full length. We did a an eleven song demo. And then we did like four seven inches, and uh, years later we actually put out a discography with like forty two oh. songs on it. Prixology, yeah, looking at that up now on Discogs, yeah. Prixology, that's a great name. Yeah. Well, because so, I know. Uh, yep. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, go for it. No, I forgot what I was going to ask you anyway. But anyway, <laughs> that band, that band became Prozac's, or you left that band, or that band just kind of split up and. Yeah. Just things were, were going wonky with with that band, and I, I started. I wanted to start another project, just uh, just for fun. So um, the Prozac is what became of that. It overlapped for about eight months. Hmm. Uh, what the story is, I had a there was another local band, and their guitarist was going to fill in for some Grand Prix shows, which never happened. But I asked him if he wanted to jam on some alternate songs, some stuff I was working on just for fun on the side. And uh, within a two or three weeks, we had a, a lineup of a band called the Prozacs, which only lasted three months with that lineup. But um, within eight months, I, I decided to stop doing the Grand Prix and took the Prozacs a little more serious. So, so the Prozacs, you've always been kind of like the main songwriter, as much as there's been other guys that contributed over the years. You've been kind of the main song. Were you the main, like, were you the singer songwriter type guy in Grand Prix or was that more collaborative or did you just play guitar or what was the situation with that? Uh, so when we, when the Grand Prix started, it was the band wrote the music and I wrote lyrics. Okay. And, uh, within, within a few months I'd started picking up the guitar and by the end of the band, I was writing probably 75% of them, the mute, you know, the guitar and, Mm-hmm. So, well, so yeah, so it developed over time where I was the main songwriter. So we, Neil and I are both geezers. I'm never going to ask you your, your exact age, but at this point, are you you in your early 20s? You still a teenager? How how, how, are you, <laughs> how old are you when you get started getting this band together? So I started the Grand Prix when I was three. <laughs> Good answer. So I'm turning 29 next month. Gotcha. That's the perfect. That's the perfect punk rock age because you're still in your twenties, but you're too old to like have all that pressure to die at twenty seven, right? I'm not cool enough to be twenty seven. Exactly. Live slow. <laughs> di- live slow. Die old, man. That's the. Uh, that's that's what it is. I don't mind telling my age. I'm. I just turned forty five. Okay, so you're about my. Okay, you're you're a hair younger than I am. You guys are fucking youngsters. Let me tell you. Yeah. Cut it out. <laughs> Yeah, Neil's Neil's been getting mail from the AARP for like seven years. Dude, now, so. I had one. Never mind that. I had one the other day saying saying uh, insurance for your coffin. What the fuck is that about? No joke. No joke. Well, like they were like, they're like, like while they're carrying it out of the. They were like, like they were damage like, later on. They, well, they were, they were like the state only gives you two hundred and fifty dollars, so start paying into this insurance company now, so we so you can pay for your funeral. It's like fuck, I'm not that old. Yeah, what do I care? What do I care who pays for my funeral? Yeah, exactly. Exactly so, right. I mean, you get. 
<laughs> Did you get to take advantage of the early shopping? Dude, COVID? I can, yeah. and and I can also I can also get like cheap rates on my uh, cell phone and shit like that now. Yeah, like it's tiny pretty cups of coffee for like fifty cents. <laughs> pretty cool, <laughs> which is fine because I eat dinner about five o'clock, so it's all right. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you what, I'm looking at I'm looking at this picture on Discogs of the Grand Prix, and you you're not joking, man. You kids in this band look like they're like ten years old. The drummer looks like he's ten. Hmm. Uh, Marty, uh, yeah, actually, Marty, the drummer of the band, was the first was the first recorded drummer for the Prozacs, and I actually just started a project with him a few weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> another one. So I saw you had another. So what's your what's your name of your new your very new project? Just because we don't care about chronology anyway. What, what's the name of the <laughs> yeah, all over the place? It's called it's called Sonic Diffuser. Oh, nice. And um, it's it's literally a project for me to jam with my buddy Marty. So we got so, together, we got together a, a lineup, and we're just gonna write songs, have fun, and I don't give a shit if it sounds like the Prozacs or whatever, which it most likely will. But you know, depending on the lineup and the contributions, it'll should have its own uh, own little feel. But yeah, it was just an, an excuse to write some music. He lives down the street. So, so you're very, you're very prolific. I mean, you do the Prozacs, and you and you do solo stuff too. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that uh, my buddy Chris said that to me maybe three years ago about being prolific. And to be honest, I never knew the word. So I don't have to look it up right now. Now I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because it's, you, you actually, I mean, you know, to toot your own horn a little bit, you have a solo album coming out this year, right? Like still coming out this year? Uh, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's going to be out by this year, but it's in the studio right now. Oh, you're the working COVID on kind of messed everything up. But sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's mostly recorded i got a few more few more things to do to button it up and then figure out how it's going to be released hmm. all right let's put it let's put a pin in that and let's play a song and we'll come back because i have a i have a question that i always want to ask people that are in the position that you're in and i'm going to try not to forget it while we listen to this song so what, what song yeah. should we do first jay do you, uh, remember, do you remember which ones you picked <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. How, how, about, how about wishing and waiting? Wishing and waiting. That's off the newest one, right? Yeah. How about that? See, I knew that. Off ambivalence from 2019. Correct. I believe so. All right. We have the Prozacs with wishing and waiting. Been wishing for the summer, waiting for the sunshine, wishing for the warm air, waiting for you, getting tired of the winter, working all the late nights, wanna have some us time, just be you. And I know that there's gotta be more than wishing and waiting, hoping and praying. I know that there's gotta be more than the daily grind we're trying to get through.
There you go. Prozac's Wishing and Waiting off what's, the what's, last album, what, Ambivalence, from 2019. What, what's that one about? The song? Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty much about the struggle of, you know, working, uh, doing all the life things and not not having the time to do everything you'd like to do, mostly. It's, it's mostly about wanting to spend time with my wife. Hmm. And, um, yeah, that was the, the gist of it. Wishing and waiting, wishing th- wishing it was always a sunny day. Wow. And uh, hey, you know, I know he can be quite a romantic. Yeah, some he can. Damn he's sweet that one. He's, he's definitely in his old age gotten a little uh getting he's, a little mellow. He's no Gigi more. Allen over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know who is though? You know, who is? Oh, Gigi's got nothing on my pop. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so so you so you're the only guy. I mean, you even you said your first lineup of the Prozacs only lasted for three months or something like that. Did you record with that lineup or no? Uh, no. Okay. Nope. The, uh, it was two years in when, when I became the, the, the only surviving member. So, so my question is, so, so the Prozacs are your band. I mean, you have, I'm sure other guys contribute and I don't mean to, you know, take anything away from the guys who are with you now and have been over the years, but it's your band. So, when you do a solo album, do you are you doing everything yourself, playing all the drums and all that, or are you just essentially putting together another band? Uh, the the first solo record, I I, I did a um, the engineer I ha- I was working with played all the drums, mm. and, and I went in bass and guitar. Went in, I, I played I played bass on one song, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, so yeah, I'm not going in playing all the instruments, but uh, you know I. I like the first particular record, uh, Here Is My Heart, I went in and, like I said, was sometimes I had half a song written 
had a full song. I'd go in and jam with the engineer for an hour or two, and then we would lay down the drums on the spot. He would never hear the material until I came in. And it it took about a year and a half. I'd go in on random sessions. I I invited some friends to come in and contribute. Uh, At the time, my bass player from the Prozac said he played some guitar and bass on the record. And uh, so this time around, the, the solo record that's happening now, my drummer, Jimmy, who drummed on Ambivalence, we went in and recorded a handful of songs last summer. So it was kind of a kind of right off the heels of Ambivalence. Hmm. But we weren't sure what if it was going to be a Prozac's record or what we were doing with it. I decided to go the solo route. So it kind of it all intertwines. Basically, I'm kind of taking a filling the record out in a pop sense and some other ideas that I had. And so this, yeah, this one's the same drummer. And, um, yeah. So is that the difference between, so, so my, my, my question really is, so you're, you're, you're the guy who runs the Prozacs. Why, why, uh, and you could do whatever you want with the band. I just wonder why you don't use those songs just in the context of the Prozacs? I mean, you're writing different kinds of songs. Is it mellower? Is it stuff you wouldn't really want to do with the Prozacs? Or or is it just a availability thing? Long story short, because I could talk about three days about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got to a point in the, in the, around 2010, 2011 with the, the band, besides having change-ups, things were just going really, really slow. And I was, I was having, starting to get a buildup of material. So I was looking for another outlet. Mm. I did have a, I did have some songs that I, at that point in time, I thought could benefit being put out in a different form than the Prozacs just because of subject matter and certain things. And I, so I put together that first record and I went in after that record was recorded. It came out in 2013. I was already writing for the next one. So I've had a lot of turmoil with the bands and uh, between going through members um, and myself just continuously writing music, I've tried, I've gone through periods of time where I would change out band members and keep the Prozacs going. So I got to a point, which I'm at right now, where I'm sitting back and I'm like, I'm playing with people that I really want to play with. I've got people in the band that represent the band well, people that I'm friends with. So uh, do having another outlet kind of lets the Prozacs work at the pace of the band rather than me pushing everybody so hard mm. saying, hey, we do this, you guys, we got to keep that, up with this. Or, that they quit, that they get mad and quit or yeah. get burned out and quit. Yeah. And I've gone through, I've tried everything to, <laughs> to keep going. <sighs> Doing the first solo record upset, upset at a couple people that I had played with because they didn't really understand why I was doing it. Well, yeah, I, I definitely could get that. Yeah, you're. Why are you making this record? You know, we're here. Why are you doing this without us? I can see that. Um, yeah, I had a Prozac's record sitting when that was happening, full record written, and the hmm. band. It, it took it took nine years for the Prozac to put out a full length, as that band, hmm. from 2008 until our album exists a couple years back. So just to give you a context again, that was that band with the people I was working with, it took that long to happen. So that's why I was started doing this other, I, I never really wanted to do, I kind of wish it was all just a Prozacs. What I battle with myself is when someone hears a song from another project and is, is like, 
ask that same thing. Why is it Prozac's? To me, it's kind of it's all it's kind of all the same. So it's not um, like the Mike Ness thing where we, we decided to do a country album or something. So that's why you separated from Social D or whatever. Right, but I I, I do take steps to kind of make the projects their own. Mm-hmm. And the, the solo album, I I focused on the materials a lot. Really focused on family. And focus, you know, it's a, a little more lighthearted. The instrumentation, mm-hmm. the first record, the instrumentation was very different from the Prozac's, like at the final product, what people were laying on top. But now I get back into the Prozac's and some of the stuff I learned and did there that people contributed came, came back into the Prozac's. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the song Wishing and Waiting, it's, it's a part of the reason that's a very important song for me is I, sh- I had a struggle putting that song out as the Prozacs because that was written specifically for my second solo album. Uh. So when ambivalence happened, half of that record was intended to be my second solo record, but it got recorded and we decided it was going to be the Prozacs because at the time that's where I was headed. So what I love about that record is it kind of, for me personally, I don't know what people will get out of it, but for me, it was kind of bringing in the heavier elements that, you know, kind of were getting sifted out mm-hmm. the other projects, kind of brought it back together and said, hey, <laughs> the Prozacs can do this too. Yeah, it's fine. Get... It's fine for your band to grow with you. I mean, that's, I think that's fine, especially yeah. your songwriting and stuff. It's always going to, it's always going to mature, right? Yeah. Yep. So the, the fun thing about doing other projects and working with other people is, you know, the, what you learn from other people, the, the, the outcome you take the same song and you play it between three different lineups, which I've done, it can be a very different song in the end. And, yeah. And I got to tell you, like as much as I, I'm the main songwriter and everything else, everybody who's been on a record influences adds, you know, comes up with arrangements, plays instruments in different ways, has ideas. So each, that's one of the charms, I guess I, I see with my, the Prozac's catalog is every record had something unique to bring to it besides mm-hmm. myself and it kind of gives me the the feeling like i don't have to push myself i push myself but i don't you know i can i can do what i do and however it's going to come out is dictated by who's part of it hmm. that makes sense yeah, yeah yeah definitely let's let's uh let's do the next song what's the, what's the next one because um, I, I once again we're gonna stick a pin in that because i have a thought and i'm gonna try to hold on to it when we come back <laughs> I, okay you're gonna get me to a point that I don't remember. We're gonna let's do every day after day. Okay, that was the one I was gonna suggest. Okay, um, which album is that off of? That is off of our 2007 album, Questions, Answers, and Things Never Found. Is okay. that your first LP? Your first no, that, blank? That's no. the Prozac's second album. Full second. Length. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is every day after every day after day from uh, Questions, Answers, and Things Never Found by the Prozac.
every day after day. That's a difficult one to say right there, my friend. Every day <laughs> after day. Yeah. So you so you just so last year Ambivalence was your fifth full length? Yes, correct. So have any of the five had the same lineup or the everyone different? Uh, not every single person has been different. But for the most part the line has been different is overall. So album number one was my buddy Marty. Marty was a drummer. And basically our original bass, it was like kind of the original lineup, I'd call it. So that album, the, Marty... The classic, the classic lineup. Yeah, yeah, right? So, yeah, Marty, <clears throat> Dave, and Colin. And we had two singers on that album. Uh, Dave was also a singer. He sang five songs, hmm. wrote and sang five songs on that first album. Um, albums two, three, Three and four, the consistent member was Maddie Prozac, and uh, Maddie's Maddie spent the most time in the band. He, he was the most prolific with with the Prozacs, and, and he was the drummer, team. right? He was the drummer, and yep. he played bass for a year, just last year. Hmm. Is that and a promotion? The, is that a promotion or a demotion? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, uh, I think that was keeping his feet in the band. There you go. Um. But yeah, Maddie, Maddie drummed the next three albums, which was Questions, Answers, Playing the Chords We Love, and Exist nine, nine years later, hmm. where, where we had our other drummer, Jimmy, who came in in 2008. But by the time we actually got an album down, Maddie was back in the band. So, uh, so that was the consistent thing, and there was no other carryover members, just uh, Maddie on drums. So, so how many do you have a count? How many? How many have you gone through? I believe, I believe it's twenty, twenty six or twenty seven actual members in the band. So wow. that doesn't. So Neil, he doesn't. He doesn't beat. We had we had a Todd cheat on the other day. A band called the Cheats out of Pittsburgh. He played with the Cheats. I love the Cheats. Todd yeah, yeah they had. He said they had thirty seven. Yeah, thirty seven members. 37 so members. They'll give you something to aspire to. Yeah. Of think, course, the truth of the matter is, they started about the same time you guys did, too, I think. Right in the early, early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we did shows with the Cheats. Uh, I think it was Maddie's first tour with us. With okay. 2005, when we had played 31st Street Pub in uh, Philly. Oh, yeah. I think, I think we played a couple other shows. Hmm. Yeah, they were awesome. <laughs> I wonder, uh, huh. Yeah, boy, every every day I read about more and more of these clubs closing down. I get more and more depressed. I wonder what the heck's going to happen. No, next dude, year. I, I I saw a thing in the uh, in the paper today in Chicago. They said they think ninety percent ninety percent of the music that. venues might close down. Mm. Horrible. Horrible. Yeah. I guess I'm gonna have to when my daughter moves out, Neil. Yeah. I'm gonna have to remodel my basement into a concert and, space. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> into a club. Only hold like. Yeah. It only hold like fifty people, but we're gonna have to go back to our roots. I really think underground punk rock's gonna have to go back to its roots. Yeah. Go back to the VFW halls in the basements and stuff because yeah. I don't know. I, I, granted, most of these bars play all different kinds of music. Are not just punk, but the punk places are going to struggle. So, yeah, were you, were you, were you did, did you tour last year for your ambivalence record? Were you able to go on the road for that, or or were you planning to do uh, it this year? Yeah, we didn't get to. Um, tour, touring's been a tough thing. I haven't done a lot, very much touring over the last years, last decade or so, but um. We so had gone. You, you have a family. I mean, you, you're 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 pretty firmly rooted where you're at. I mean, Not... we tried like hell. My my wife and I we went out to Germany last year with the Prozacs. Oh really? 
in um, last January. So we did a festival and we did two a show in the Netherlands and another Germany show. Wow, that's awesome! And we came back and we went out to Indiana and. Uh, what did you do? Like, did you do punk rock night or something at the Melody? See, actually, you know what? There, there was a show that night that we weren't able to get on. <laughs> that I think the band we were touring with was playing that the punk rock, uh, the Melody Inn. Yeah, they have a famous Saturday night punk rock night at the Melody Inn. Was that? Yep. Been for like, it's Indianapolis, Neil. They've been doing it for like oh, twenty Indy. years. Okay. Yeah. You know, last minute they they messaged me. I can't remember the promoter's name, and he messaged me and was like, "Hey, dude, we can put you guys on, but we had another show booked, and I didn't want to ditch on that, so we parted ways with the band we were with." Uh, Who was the, that? The Radio Buzzkills. Oh yeah, yeah, out of St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, kick ass. They're a great band. Awesome. Saw them for Sloppy at the Foo Bar, like, oh, I don't know, quite a few years ago now. Oh, awesome. <laughs> you have to get sloppy into every episode, don't you? I do. I, 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 <laughs> we, actually played, we played what we sort of played with sloppy out in um, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I believe it was Grand Rapids. Well, there you go, oh Tom. My Are you talking about that festival thing the cops broke into? Yep. Yeah, we played we played that, sh- that festival. Oh, so, okay, so, so that's a legendary show here, and I was there. I was one of, like, the ten people who actually bought a ticket. Oh, no uh, shit. Yeah. You play, so it was a two-day thing. Were you there Saturday or Sunday? I was there both days, and I saw the sloppy set. Oh, when they moved over to that tiny bar. Yeah, it was a, it was a Scottalites or something that I believe. Yeah, that it was, was it was a it was a, bar, it was a bar called Jukes. So the funny thing about that was, my buddy actually rode with them in their van so they could find the place, and I had Bo in my truck driving over there to get them over to that tiny little bar. It's a fu- it's a funny story actually, but that's how we kind of got to know those dudes. So, I'm yeah. I'm cool. I'm. A, I'm a, huge uh sloppy fan As a matter of fact we were supposed to see him twice this spring but all before all this crap happened so i hope they were able to reschedule most of that tour next year i don't know they're supposed to come out they're supposed to go out east as a matter of fact uh, that was my first time seeing them I, I they were one of the earlier bands for me as well like getting into and i've never i'd never saw them so that was i'm so glad we got into that that was that was fun that was that was one of the greatest Half hour sets because they didn't go on till like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, they closed. They they had last call and they locked the doors. And if you were I, in, you were in. I never wanted to. I mean, that band, the the that band that was playing, that ska band that was playing, they were there by all rights. They were booked to play that gig, but I never wanted a band to get off the stage so bad in my life. Who was it? The Scottalites? Yeah. It, I don't I don't remember what it was. I thought they were a Some local legendary band. ska band. Uh, one, the same. Scott, man? Well, that makes it even worse for me because all I wanted to do is get off the stage. <laughs> nice, Tom. Well, nice. They, you know, I'm not a guy. Well, no, they actually rolled. There was another band, local band, playing called Ten Second March, and they actually rolled their gear back out. Is that what happened? Because they were, we were at this bar, right? Or we were at that club, that all ages thing, which had been a really good club in GR over the years. But I guess, but you know, they had a keg upstairs, and I think somebody called the cops. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, I but, was up there with the Huntington's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's sloppy. We'll play, but we're not going to unload our equipment. So they just kept their guitars out. So. Right, so, right. Yeah, see, now the Huntington plays Sunday, and we did not end up going back. Oh, so basically, we, we got loaded and watched the Independence, then the cops came, and then we followed Sloppy over. And I guess it was like a legendary kegger after that till like 4 in the morning. Oh, nice. <laughs> I missed yeah, that. Yeah, we played, we played like two, right, right, uh, us and our buddies played right before Huntington's. On Sunday night, okay. Johnny three, yeah, it was us. Johnny three, then the Huntington's. See, I don't rem- see. I don't. I barely remember the. I, I'm sure I still have the ticket stub somewhere because I'm like that. 
but yeah, that was a. But that's funny. So yeah, I actually live. Like I, said, I, I don't live in the city, but I'm. I'm in. That's my scene. Those are my friends. You know, that's. I'm in the grand scene, um, which has had a pretty good little scene over the years, but you know we're shut down like everybody else right now. Right. That's pretty so, funny though that that you guys were talking about that same. You were both at that same show or whatever. That was yeah. that's pretty cool. Small yeah. <laughs> dude, what is it? You know, two everybody. everybody is, yeah, the singer of Mustard Plug was. I was. I think he had something to do with getting getting them to that bar. It could be. It was like a, it was a real village effort to get them over. <laughs> it takes a village, yeah. Dukes was a great great local place that's now gone. That I. It was kind of during my era where I wasn't going out a ton because I had lots of little, or I, my kids were really little. But it was definitely one of my favorite, definitely one of my favorite bars when I was when I was younger. They're trying to actually that club where they did the festival thing, yeah, which had to be one of the most poorly planned and attended festivals I've ever seen. I'm sure somebody lost their ass on that deal, but uh, they're <laughs> no, actually there's actually a revival going on trying to re- get that place reopened, which would be great. I mean, I saw the queers there. It was like 400 people. It was packed. You know this this. That that little festival, that Going North festival, they just didn't. I don't know. I just don't think they maybe advertise well or something. I don't know. It just. Yeah, I don't know. It was a killer lineup, though. Yeah, it was. It was a killer lineup. Like, did you guys? So you guys played before Huntington's. Was there a good crowd on Sunday night? Was there what? Crowd on Sunday night. Ah, I remember it being pretty pretty damn good. This was. I mean, was it, I mean, two thousand nine, maybe two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah, it was two thousand nine. Yep. Um, I don't know. I mean, we had a blast. I know. I mean, I knew so many people there. I met a lot of people too. But uh, it was it was a well, lot. Of, it's one of those things where a lot of the bands are are just fans of the yeah. other bands. You know. Have you managed to tour all over the country, or is, have you mainly stayed uh, East Coast and Midwest? I've uh, been, been mainly East Coast, Midwest. Um, Two thousand nine, we uh, we went out to like Vegas and oh yeah, yeah. Arizona, New Mexico. Where'd you play a dive bar? Uh, we played we Vegas. We played a double down. Double down. Oh, that's cool. So all I, I most mostly all I remember is like I think we may have been the only band that wasn't a two piece. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know what? That actual tour. I think on like got booked on like a garage revival show or what? <laughs> I, I have no idea, man. Every show we played, it was at least one band that was just a drummer and a guitarist. You know. It must be like the peak of like the white stripes, right? Yeah, right. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank God that. But, uh, yeah, we haven't. I haven't played in the West Coast. I've been out there a handful of times, but I haven't actually played there. So yeah, I would think that's a problem. You get guys, and you know, guys get to a certain age, and they got responsibilities and jobs and whatnot. Coordinating a tour, I know, is a real pain in the neck. So, yeah. so you're just doing, like, I mean, you're you're in a pretty good location to. It seems like do weekends. You do like long weekends, or you just kind of you know you do like a Friday Saturday bounce over to you know Boston, or is that is that how you guys have done it the last ten years or whatever? I'm sorry. Oh, I cut off. are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. I, I can hear you now. No, I was gonna say so over the last ten years, you said you haven't toured a ton. Do you, you just you kind of do weekends, bounce over to Boston, play Boston, play Providence or yeah, something? Come yeah, home. yeah, a lot of weekends. We seem to have spent a lot of time hitting like the Philly and Baltimore area okay. over over the years. And um, scene scene in Philly, I don't know. I can't speak for Baltimore. But um, you know, it's usually hooking up with some bands that we're friends with, and uh, you know, I went from doing probably give or take sixty shows a year to <laughs> it's been like. 
it was like 15 shows a year for a while, if that. And uh, the last three years, we've been doing roughly 30 shows a year. But in 2020, it's going to be a big zero, right? Zero shows, yes. Uh, we, uh, we actually played two. Oh, <laughs> cool. Well, show. that's good. You well, got you're some doing better than a lot of people. No, I, actually, we played three. We did a Boston show, mm. and then we did a uh, we did a, a local, and then we did uh, Atlantic City was our last show. Mm. So we played with the Huntingtons. Huntingtons yeah. are Huntingtons are a great underrated band. You know, I. I uh... I like them a lot. I can't say I listen to them a ton, but they're they're a good band. Um, so let's do another song. Alrighty. What do we do? What are we doing? You know, what's the next song? Or what, well, Jay, what's the next? Hey, uh, why don't we hit up? Uh, how about in the music? In the music. Now that's one of your solo things, right? Yes. Okay. Why don't you tell us about this? Why don't you tell us about this? Song? Yeah, talk this one up. Yeah. Right. So uh, when I to hit the post, whatever they say. Oh, you want me to talk? <laughs> yeah, you put him off, Tom. What are you doing? Sorry. Well, you know how to do the DJs do that? Like you start the song and then you have to talk over just the beginning. You have to stop right before the words come out. Is that called hitting the post or not hitting the post or something? Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I reached that level. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's babbling. Even though Neil's mom thinks he's a radio star, but that's okay. Well, that's because she's old and she doesn't understand what a podcast is, all right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Tell us about In the Music. Uh, so In the Music was, uh, I, I wrote that song around the time I was working on my solo, or I had the idea of the solo record. And um, that wound up being, the, you know, it could have been a Prozac. A lot of the songs could have been whoever I brought them to first, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm playing with Stiletto Bomb today, so I introduced this song, and now it's a Stiletto Bomb song. But um, the uh, so in the music was the first song I recorded for "Here Is My Heart," and uh, just a simple, simple little song about you know we got the music, <laughs> the music's in our hearts, the music's us, it's it's what we are, you know. We got the beat. Okay, it's a good thing we got the beat. <laughs> <laughs> We'll do a little Go-Go's Rancid mashup here. Yeah, you there, go. You go. there you go. Uh, right. You know, so uh, that's, that's the first song I ever recorded bass to. Hmm. And, and you can tell because there's absolutely, absolutely zero variance from the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's the Ramones? Yeah. You know what? I threw the bass, tra- I threw the bass down on the day I recorded it. And I had a friend who was going to come in and do bass on like three or four songs. And he was one of those, he, you know, he came in and he just didn't quite have it. So the engineer was like, why don't we just keep the track you did? I'm like, uh, I don't know. Let's keep it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love that song. It's, uh, I thought it was a great opener for the record. And it um, it t- kind of ties in with the, the message of uh, what my that first album was about. Just, you know, it was I had a lot of, a lot of negativity in a lot of songs. And um, part of that, my idea with Here Is My Heart was to kind of you know, emphasize on the good things that are happening. Sure. Hmm. A little more of a feel good sort mm-hmm. of record. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, let's listen to it. This is uh, In the Music by um, Jay Prozac.
there was in the music. See, I didn't do my DJ voice today, so you no, not yet, not yet, not yet. Yeah, I've got another half gin and tonic it, to go yet. But it's like so. it's like the Ramones, right? Like all their early songs were all like negative, and then they actually went out of their way to like do a positive one. Like it's like I want to be your boyfriend, or <laughs> or was it the opposite? Maybe they're all positive. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it was always I don't want to. Right. They got negative from being so positive. There you go. So um. So you you obviously you write you write some funny songs. I mean you 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 know you kind of do both because there are definitely some songs where you're you know you're real sincere like that last song you know it's just it's a real sincere song, but you also right. write the the song like I referenced earlier you know those pants look better on your sister I, I can't remember the exact I just called the emo song you know, That's where you, <laughs> because your your song titles don't always match up perfectly with like the chorus, so when right. you're on Spotify I just want to call it yeah the chorus song you know and. Uh, I want to make note that that Maddie Maddie Prozac, uh, he's the one who named that song. Okay, I think that's the only song in the entire Prozac's catalog that he named. But uh, that, that's a great Maddie, name. Maddie, that's a great name for a song, it, by the way. Like, like getting credit for things, and I'm giving him credit for that. <laughs> there you go. But that's a, that's a great one, Neil. I don't know if you come across that one yet. Um, I have, I you know, I always told said for years and years I never would listen to digital music, but I'm actually starting to get into Spotify a little bit. I must say, I work not at home. At well, home, well it's it makes still, things so much easier, doesn't it? It's still or die. Yeah. It's, well, it's just, it is. And, you know, but the thing is, like, I listen, you know, so I listen, I'll listen to Prozac for, for an hour, and I probably get something off every album. That's you know? Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I probably made you point zero 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 two cents. I'm sitting here waiting for my check. Exactly, for all that, for all that streaming. It's crazy. Well, I've been listening to Ambivalence a lot the last week, and uh, so I probably made you another... Yeah. There you go. Point zero 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 two cents. Well, yeah. That's that's the only one. That's the only full length available on vinyl at the moment. So if you're gonna buy yeah. one, it's got a great cover too. Yeah, I don't mind sending you guys a couple copies after this is all done. <laughs> Dude, we love when people send us shit. So we uh, be all hey, for it. Hey, well, hey, hey, hold on. I have to ask you about this because, like I said, I've been listening to this album a lot. So I've never known anyone in the in the pop punk uh, pop punk circle write a song about Jack the Ripper. What the hell is that about? And why why, why Jack the Ripper, for God's sakes? And why are you so hard on him? <laughs> yeah. he, had a, he had a real tough childhood, you know? Did you watch a movie or something? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no, so this goes back to the Radio Buzzkills, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe three years ago, uh, Zach from Radio Buzzkills was working with Out Loud Records to put out a compilation about serial killers. Oh, oh yeah, 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 I have that. Right, so I it was wrote that. Like two of it, yeah, like a second yes. one too. Like, yeah, well, I um, I I wound up writing that song like literally a, like a day or two before we went in the studio, <laughs> and uh, I, I I'm not big on serial killers, like I don't really you know. So I <laughs> that's an obvious one, and it wasn't taken. So I was like, cool, I'll do Jack the Ripper, and uh, that's that's the story behind it. So what is funny is that we um. We went in the studio when we recorded Ambivalence. It wasn't, we didn't go in there thinking we were going to make an album. So we went in and recorded Jack the, the Ripper for the comp. We did a cover of the band The Manges mm-hmm. for another comp. Great band. And we, yeah. And, and, and oh, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, the, the, the LP, the uh, Manges, tri- yeah, the tribute LP. Right. We're, uh, we were a digital extra because uh, we got in on it late. Ah. But we, but we got part of it and, um, we recorded the song Mandy. And uh, so we recorded Jimmy. My drummer Jimmy was just back in the band. This was just when Exist was coming out. Jimmy came back in the band. Maddie was not in the band again. So Jimmy and I recorded The Ripper, Mandy, like 
three or four new songs we were working on for the Prozacs, we had to go back to record. Uh, we were going to do some drum tracks over. And we went back and I was like, hey, Jim, want to jam a few songs that are for the solo stuff? So he didn't get a lot of time with them. But uh, that's how Ambivalence came to be. So we recorded the solo songs and I, and I was like, you know what, we'll come back and maybe do a new Prozac's EP and record a few more songs to finish a solo record. And as the mixing went on, we decided to make it an out, al- make it the next Prozac's album. Hmm. But um, the Ripper, yeah, there's no hard story behind it. I thought it was funny. It was just in- it's just interesting to hear an American singing about Jack the Ripper because normally, like like English psychobilly bands, even going back to like Screaming Lord Such, they they always do songs about Jack the Ripper. But um, it was just interesting to hear an American pop punk band do a song about Jack the Ripper. Well, it's because because England doesn't have the great serial killers like we do here. I mean, what what, what I mean, what's Jack the Ripper gonna? How's Jack the Ripper gonna compete with Jeffrey Dahmer? You know. Well, Jack the Ripper was the first man, and he didn't get caught. See. I guess. Yeah. Damn straight. He might still be out there for all you know, 100, uh, 200 years <laughs> old. It's <laughs> true. So you said fucking us all. Well, it's funny. So, so do you? So you? I, I know you got kids. I don't know how old they are, or whatever. But do you? Is that affected your your songwriting? I mean, you sort of, do you sort of, in, you sort of subconsciously maybe censor yourself a little bit now because you because you're a Family Guy. I don't really think so. I think I, I think more of a mature. A maturity. You, you and know other. You know life. other. You know other words to fill that extra syllable instead of. The <laughs> Damn it! I'm 57 and I have to be able to fucking words. He like a sailor. <laughs> no, when I do it, like a song like uh, the emo song, you know, I yeah. just do it. I make up right there. This, that, you, and everything. If you get a chance to hear that one. Yeah, uh, I know fuck that one. This, fuck that. No, that's so, another one where the title's deceiving because you're like. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's one of my favorites too, actually. I don't insert I don't insert profanity just to do it. Some like a song like The Ripper, I'll be honest, I actually I think I tried to find an alternative and there just wasn't. There you go. That, that it there. It wrote itself. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, you know. You were and, and, and the fact of the matter is, but you write songs, you know, you, you write songs that are funny and I think they're fairly harmless. You know what I mean? I don't think it's mean spirited, but you ever fear the you know, Neil and I are always talking about because we're disturbed by this sort of the the cancel culture thing, and we always talk about how some of the greatest punk rock records ever could never be made now because they're not politically correct. You ever worry about them coming knocking at your door? I mean, you're like you're friend friendly with like Joe Queer and those guys, right? Yeah, I've known Joe. I used to roadie with the Queers. I mean, you've seen what's happened to them, and you know that Joe's not a bad man, but he has been crucified. Oh yeah. Be- because he, well, I mean, he kind of, I think he kind of enjoys it. To and the same with Ben Weasel, right? I mean, the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben, I mean, they've been vilified, and man, and, and I see, and I see these people. You know, I see this. I'm in this lookout group, which is a great group. But somebody will just put randomly on there. Does anybody else here have a trouble listening to the old Queers albums because Joe Queer is so problematic? It's like, get out of here with your virtue signaling crap. You know what? If that you don't want to listen to it. If you don't want to listen to it, then don't listen to it. But what are you doing here? You know, what are you? You tell them, Tom. I mean, the Dickies, you know, the Warped Tour a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, the Dickies. Oh, don't get me started a, on that Boy, one. they're a real danger to society, those Dickies, huh? But you ever, know. you ever you ever worry about that stuff? I mean, is that is that one of those things, I, too? I still worry about it because with, with, I've got a couple songs, maybe with the Grand Pricks, that, uh, you know, I, something I wouldn't have, you know. I was you'd have a, you'd have a hard time defending. I was, 
I don't even have family and kids and stuff, but uh, so you know, mentality is different. But sure. no, I'm, I don't. I don't think I have anything. You know, actually, the the emo song hadn't been played in many years, probably eight or nine years, and uh, we were getting requests for it recently. So we yeah. uh, we. Yeah, we're we you're playing that. I'm gonna be yelling so, it right. Yeah. Space. Yeah, we learned it for the uh, for the Germany tour. Ah. And, uh, we pl- actually we played it the last show we played with the Huntingtons, and uh, there was this was a little concern from one of my bandmates, just that you know about are we gonna is it alienating something you know maybe but someone this- might hear someone might hear it and be like yeah you know offended punk, and it could like, deter your fan. Punk needs to be willing to alienate though. I think you need to get rid of that guy. I'm sensing number bandmate number twenty seven coming up here. <laughs> Actually, Tom, Tom just kicked him out. Yeah, exactly. My number one and one of my best friends. And then, and I get it. I, I do get it. But I'm like, no, we're playing it because it's yeah. The thing is, is um, a song like that, big deal. Where I'm banging on a bunch of emo people. It's yeah. just you know, it's funny. It's 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 sarcastic. It's kind of satire, but it actually came from a real feeling. Yeah. And I'll tell you why I wrote that song was uh, back in um the mid 2000s locally when we put out our second record like the first couple of Prozac's records I had a lot of the 50s pop influence sure which shows shows throughout my music and we had a a lot of the local scene were started calling us an emo band I'm just like yeah you know and I just got to the point it was like you're for a, a 50 fucking... for a 50s influence because they don't have a fucking clue they think you're playing a slow song at a you know, if you heard our songs like Double Feature and Cupid's Revenge and, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? They, yeah. didn't, they didn't have a clue what, you know, I mean, what I think of. Yeah. It didn't help that you were wearing all that black eyeshadow. <laughs> and that your hair yeah. teased up. Or mascara. <laughs> <laughs> right. I didn't know how to apply it properly. <laughs> well, hold on. Which song? Hold on. I haven't heard this song. So, you know what? I think we're going to have to throw an audible here and actually, and actually play this song. It's great, man. It's great. Well, the good news is, Jay, that our fans are a grizzled bunch, and they're pretty hard to offend. You know what? I'm not worried about offending because I wouldn't have written the songs. Sure. You know what I mean? So we gonna you want to inject that, Neil? Yeah, I do. I do because I want because I want to hear I want to hear the damn thing. So hold on. So what? You're gonna get a bonus song, Jay. You're gonna get a seventh song. So what's it called? Is it called the emo song? No, it's called. On your sister. Oh, it's the pants song. Oh, yes. uh, oh, okay. Now it's all making sense. Okay, so yeah, you call it in because I don't know the name of it. Someone else introduce it. Introduce it, Jay, and tell us where it's from. What album it's on? All right, you're about to hear. Those pants would look better on your sister from the Prozac second album. Questions, answers, and things never found. So these kids were all talking about emo, you know, and. You know me, Jay. I'm an old man. I don't know these new categories, you know? So I'm like, what, what's emo? And they're like, oh, it's like, you know, music with emotion. And I'm like, huh, music with emotion. What a concept. <laughs> so then they start showing me examples of these emo bands. I'm like, music with emotion? Sounds like some fucking asshole crying.
fuck you. There you go, Neil. There, the was, there it was. Those, those pants would look better on your sister. Yes. Um, pretty good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great name for a song. It is. You know what's funny? The, the monologue. Um, <laughs> the engineer. The engineer that I that mastered the record did the monologue. Mm. And yeah, I'm not. I was. I was never supposed to let that out in public. He uh, he actually. He he worked on uh, you know albums. They're like big name bands in oh, the from genre. Some, oh, some, from some of those bands, yeah. Yeah, the, the 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 studio and the engineer I worked with, he did a lot of major label bands. Uh, you, you know, metal, be... a lot of metal bands and uh, that kind of stuff. You know, Grammy winning bands. But uh, <laughs> so he did the monologue, and he's not credited for it. But I figured it's enough years have passed. <laughs> I won't say don't his think, name. Don't think it's going to ruin his chances of doing the thrice reunion record or whatever the hell garbage he's. Uh, well, uh, he's way- actually a kick. He's a kick-ass dude in the mon. I pissed myself when he was doing the monologue. Yeah, that's good. That's well, good. The weirdest one. I mean, some of those emo bands that were always emo bands. You know, they, they are what they are, right? But the weirdest one is AFI. Man, you know, it started off in the hardcore scene or whatever, and then just became. F- flat out full on emo towards the end there very strange yeah, i think if i is what you listen to if like uh twilight is your favorite movie series right yeah but originally <laughs> uh, originally they were a full-on hardcore band right i never you know i never really listened to that early yes. stuff and by the time i heard them i could not get into it Even yeah, i heard I... their their early records i have a couple of them they were they were they were pretty kick-ass like the early hopeless yeah, like like it Black Sails in the Sunset or something. Like a, almost like he was kind of doing almost like a Danzig ripoff thing, wasn't he? The way he sang. Well, he was. I mean, uh, there's 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 one there's one famous yeah. thing they did. It's on it's on YouTube. They did live from uh, Fireside in Chicago, and he, I mean, his, his hair is dyed blonde. He looks like there's a bunch of straight edge kids there and stuff like that. And it's yeah, I mean, it's it's totally that that kind of scene, you know, that kind of early straight edge scene or whatever. He's got the dyed blonde hair and he's. You know, Adidas and all that kind of shit. So mm. very, very, it's very not, different than the that. black hair and the black eyeliner. You know. Yeah. So I'm feeling like a I, I, I'm sensing, and I think it's because those of us who grew up in this scene are reaching a certain age. But I'm sensing kind of a like pop punk revival. And I don't mean like newfound glory. I mean like the Lookout stuff. You know, Screeching Weasels put out a great, great new album this year. Queers right. have a new album coming out this year. I have every reason to believe it's going to be great. Mangy's put out a new album this year. I mean, are you feeling that? I mean, you are you sensing that at all? Or are you? I think. Of, I think. I mean, I've heard the, the Queers. Al- I've heard the Queers album, and it's um, it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty throwback. Nothing wrong with that. We actually had Joe. We had Joe on, and he said it's like a cross between uh, "Don't Back Down" and "Love Songs." I'm like, well, I mean, okay. I mean, you're telling me your new albums a cross between your two best albums. I'm gonna, you know, I'm interested. I mean, uh, I hear I hear a lot of uh, monkey brain mm. and uh, pleasant pleasant screams in there, but uh, production wise, it really ties it back to those. I mean, I, I was hearing like kind of from my perspective, kind of some almost a grow up grow up feeling on some of it. Really, really. Which early. I, I mean, which I love that record and I love those songs too, but um, I, I think I think it, it's a very classicy sort of queers record. But you better tell him to pull out a couple of songs to save for a split. Oh, I'm already, I'm already tr- trying to freaking spin the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> time for that Prozac queer split. It's time. We'll see. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I feel like a lot of the the veteran bands are putting out 
putting out some kick-ass records. I love the new Weasel record. I think it's really awesome. It's, it's you know, I'm 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 always going to be on that. Like most, a lot of us are with with Vapid and Jughead. But I mean, I don't know. I think the new record's a ripper. I do too. I think it's definitely the best post Jughead album. Um, and maybe that's just because I've listened to it more than anything else post Jughead. But I, I, I think it's a genuinely good record. I agree. Um, I, uh, you know, I, we, we joked about how Ben would be like, Ben's like my dream guest. I love Screeching Weasel so much. I unapologetically love Screeching Weasel. One of my very favorite bands of all times. But I wonder if I could even talk to him without pissing him off within five seconds. Because I'd want to <laughs> yeah. know, like, I'd want to know, like, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you do that to Jughead, man? How do you, how do you do that? It was always you and Jughead the whole time, you know, always the two of you. But yeah, I have a, I have a feeling he wouldn't want to. Yeah, I got a feeling he wouldn't too. But you know, the fact of the matter is, I should probably have Jughead on. He seems like a fairly open book. I've met him once or twice. Seems like a nice guy. So right before, um, right before the the COVID thing, we uh, the Prozacs were supposed to back Jughead up for a show with. Like the evening blackouts. No, we were. Well, we were going to back him up for a screeching weasel set. Oh yeah, Weasel, yeah. weasel mopes. And uh, even in blackout songs, hmm. and uh, we had B Face was going to be playing bass on for half the set, and uh, Larry Livermore was going to be there. And oh. um, this was supposed to happen like April sixth in Boston, hmm. but uh, yeah, it took the tarbosh with uh, the COVID, so we're we're all pretty bummed. We actually put aside working on our new album for like a two or three months to to work on this Weasel set. That and never happened. Now you may have to, you're gonna have to record a Weasel tribute album. <laughs> Just do the whole thing. Neil, yeah, you, huh? were, you were you were saying earlier, said, "Jeez, singer reminds me of somebody. I can't figure out who it is. I think it's Broken Bottles. It's 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 Screeching Weasel. I think that's that, that's my I think the closest comparison. No, oh, the really? voice, the voice on, especially on a couple of the songs on Ambivalence, especially Party's Over, it sounded just like Jess the Mess. The way, he, the way you were phrasing stuff. I don't know if you know Broken uh, Bottles. Right, but... right, you know who Jess the Mess is. Yeah, I'm not familiar with them. Yeah, the good man. Broken, broken Bottles out of the West Coast. They're really good. He's dead now. He's dead now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, it's, it's. I actually went to Jughead's 50th birthday party in Chicago where he did a weasel set. It was great, actually. I was there too, me and my wife. Wow! See, man, Reggie. it's like it's like six we degrees the, of we separation. Were at, house show? We were at the Reggie show because I could not get into the house show. We were at the Reggie oh, show. We were at the house show. Okay, I tried, I tried, but no, we went. So is that? So they did the house show, which would have been sweet because it was in his basement. And then yeah, the next night they did a they went to Reggie's and it sold out. And that day, uh, the Mopes played, and even the Blackouts, the Manges, and uh, that Weasel set it was great. Oh, and Lilydance. Well, that was things, a yeah. that was a lot of fun. That was, that was that's a, a good cool. good lineup right there. It was. Yeah. Little, is B, is B Face still out in on the East Coast? Yeah, yeah, he's in Cambridge, right okay. outside of Boston. B Face, you know, I've I've run into B Face over the years. I've probably seen him play in the Ghoulies and you know in the late '90s, early 2000s. But I never got to really got to know him. I've known Joe since uh, late '90s, and uh, randomly. Maybe maybe five years ago, four or five years ago, <laughs> B-Face shows up at a show, one of our shows, at a little little club in our town, where I where I live. Like in Western Mass. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like an hour and a half drive from where he's at, sure. and he know he he knew 
he was friends with uh, one of the other bands that was playing. And uh, he so he showed up at that show. Now, now I'm trying to remember if you were, there was a second show on a Thursday night out in the middle of, you know, a little club out our way. <laughs> you know, there's like 10 people there. And this fucking guy walks in wearing a dictator's beanie. <laughs> and I'm just like, look, I'm like, it's fucking B-Face. And he drove almost two hours on a Thursday night to come see us play. And I'm just like, holy shit, you know, like for one, holy shit, here's B-Face. And two, it was just, you know, we developed a, a friendship from then. Huh. And I, he's, he's been at a shitload of shows since so he was just kind of then he was just kind of like you know i've seen you around in the band the prozacs and everything else but he goes i've never actually seen you guys play so and now he's been at a ton of shows and he's such a sweet dude oh that's cool Um, and he's aged he's aged amazingly i thought at least when i saw him like wow he doesn't look much older than he did you know he always was you know look like a kid but yeah when he throws the bleach on the hair especially yeah for a guy who's 50 something years old you know yeah he's, he's a super rad dude Huh, I never, I had him sign a poster for me, but I was pretty incapacitated with drinks, so I didn't really <laughs> fucking have much bastard. conversation. Well, I have, I got, I got a bunch of posters from that Jughead's 50th birthday thing. It was really cool. I, I have all these posters, including the one you sent me, Neil. I, I need to hang them up. I need to reclaim a little bit of my family home. Yes, you do. For like a rock and roll room, because mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know. I just well, did that. <laughs> over the years, I've lost all my, like in, like in small wars, I've lost all my territory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's why but, you gotta live by yourself like me man i just i just put up another wall of uh posters i just got that stiff go. little fingers poster man i just got that vintage stiff Neil's, little fingers nobody's heroes poster i saw that's it. cool neil's sad lonely rock and roll museum shut the fuck <laughs> up <laughs> he cries himself to sleep under all these cool all this cool memorabilia every night yeah man <laughs> brings back so many good but, memories. Uh, all right we better put we better put another song in before we get yeah you know what i'm gonna call better it pick we'll get... up, better pick an upbeat number no we're gonna play the song heartless because that's what you are for making fun of me how's that <laughs> all right so... yep what's this what's this from um heartless was uh it's actually an exclusive on um a discography cd called is this how it ends Okay, there you go. So heartless. Oh, it was actually it was recorded along with us with the uh, screeching weasel cover. It was supposed to be on a seven inch, and we had two different seven inches with two different bands that fell through. Hmm. And what, wound what, up weasel, on what weasel cover did you do? Uh, we did. I'm gonna strangle you. So will that end up on some compilation it, later? It's actually like, on that same. <laughs> it's on that. that it, it was on like a digital comp. I have a test pressing split with one of the bands we were supposed to do it with but uh yeah i wound up on is this how it ends as well is that like the is that like 30 something songs no it's like it's like 16 i've actually got that one yeah cleaning out cleaning out the closet that's the one i'm thinking of they had like 30 songs on like on a cd that's got our first album like a remastered first album and uh a bunch of stuff from the mid 90s stuff or mid 2000s i mean Yeah, yeah then we did the second one is this how it ends in like 2014 or something? Cool. All right, so we're We didn't hit the post at all there, by the way. We talked yeah, over we, it by like we, two we minutes. It's all over the post. Yeah. That's so, right. uh, so this is Heartless. We, we talked so long, the whole song's over. Well, you're doing it again. <laughs> you're killing me. All right. Heartless by the Prozacs. <laughs>
Atlas because that's what Tom is. Let me tell you, yes. making fun of my my apartment, bastards. You guys you know, are gonna be crashing here when you come to Chicago. So, maybe, you know. maybe. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better, I skip dinner and am drinking gin. So if I'm meaner than normal, me too. Now you know. <laughs> I heard. I could hear your eyes clinking around. Yep. I, could, I hope you could hear mine. <laughs> I've been. Uh, you know, we were as life was so busy until March of 2020. That once we did get the the COVID thing and this kind of this chance to kind of step back, I'm like I'm never going to go back to being as busy as I was before that. I'm just never going to do it. I've had this chance to reset my life. Well, here we are in September. Half the stuff is still closed down, and I'm back to being as busy as I ever was. So, lesson learned? No. <laughs> so what? Uh, so you uh you even starting to dare book some shows yet or are you not even is there is that not even a possibility not even, i'm not even thinking about it i mean think about it but not really i'm uh at, at this point we're just starting to play together again mm. and uh, my dance yeah my bass player lives three hours away and he joined oh, wow. the band he joined the band in october so it was like four months in, and then this all happened and uh so it's so, a pain in the neck to get together to practice. Yeah, yeah. We lost our practice space um, just because we couldn't have really – just wasn't feasible <laughs> the last few months. Uh, and I just set up a jam space in my basement. Sure. And um, so we've got – the last three weeks, we've gotten together in different forms, and we're just working on new material, jamming, hmm. a, jamming a few oldies, playing some stuff off the last couple albums that we haven't played live, and uh, working on the next record – we have a couple of projects on deck. So it's funny because you, I, I thought, I, I thought you said that you're, and, and like I said, I, you know, I'm a social media scroller. I'm not a studier necessarily, but I, I thought you said you had your uh, solo album coming out in the fall. So you say that's not going to happen probably next year, whatever. So will it yeah, actually be a solo I've, album or will it become a Prozac's album? Or I mean, you sort uh, of. I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead set. I got the artwork. Oh, the oh artwork, you're that far along. It's done. Uh, Actually, I've had a couple phone calls since we've been on here that I had to mute, and that was the engineer that I'm working on the record with. Who I haven't get him on the to. show too. Bring him on. Page him in. Yeah. He's got a couple calls since he's been talking to us, Neil. It's like, hey, I heard you on that podcast. We want to sign you to a multi-million dollar contract. <laughs> give, up your, give up your crappy day job and come yeah, tour the world. This is the same engineer that did uh, ambivalence and exist. So. Uh, hmm. Not the guy who did the anti-emo uh, rant. Nope. <laughs> so this would be an Angelo, right? Angelo? Angelo, yes. Angelo Quaglia. Oh, wait, have you, you heard of Italian it. people, Neil? Oh, shut up. Angelo, actually, uh, he used to work on a lot of hip-hop, hip-hop records back in, uh, in the, I guess, in the 90s. Oh, that's a shame. In the 2000s. <laughs> I thought it was kind of interesting, <laughs> but yeah, he came from a punk rock background, and he um, Angelo, he engineered in New York City. He worked huh. on stuff by like Naughty by Nature and Madonna and Luther Vandross. Oh dear, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's working with the Prozacs. There you go. I made a doing that. That's... Fast, so, you know. <laughs> but you know, I don't know. I think it's... they can afford to work very cheap for these guys. <laughs> so it works out well. We became friends. He lives. Uh, he lives. We're working out of his home studio. He's building. He spent his time in COVID. Uh, he's building a legit studio in his home, so we're getting pretty excited to go check that out. Yeah, so be those, pe- <laughs> those people who have done things productive in COVID. I mean, I was home for quite a lot, quite a while myself, but I just was in this weird haze and I couldn't seem to get much 
get much accomplished. That's because you're drunk all the time, you bastard. <laughs> I tell you what, I have. It, it's definitely you know the gyms are closed, but the gin is open. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, you know what? That's the name of your next album, right there, Jay. That's, that's my that's my solo album. It's a spoken <laughs> word. Gyms <laughs> are closed, but the gin is open. I love it. That's good. Exactly. Well, there's been so, some good albums this year, though. I'll tell you what, man. There's been a lot of great albums this year. That's true. I think so. I mean, I think it's better than last year was. I agree. But I, I just think that the style of music that the Prozacs play, I just think the fa- the fans of it, the people who grew up, those of us who grew up listening to Weasel and the Queers and all that Lookout stuff, not all Lookout stuff, because Lookout catalog is actually very varied when you look at it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that's, well, like the, that's like all the, Ram- the, the Ramones stuff where it's like basically playing the, 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 the very core essence of the Ramones and not really, you know... But yeah, yeah, I always say that too. The lookout catalog, which is kind of where I like to describe us, where look lookout influence. Yeah, definitely, you guys are you guys are more like the '90s style pop punk than the 2000s style, because the 2000s style pop punk was pretty bad to the point where you almost hate to be associated with it. Like you who? Know? Like who? I totally well, that bouncy breakdown the, stuff. The newfound, the newfound glories and the simple plans and that kind, and even you know, I mean, this is. You know, a lot of people like Blink-182, but even like the Blink-182 is, you know, to me, when I, because to me, pop punk's not a dirty word, you know, because I love, like I said, I love those Weasel albums, love the Queers albums, but kids who are 10 years younger than me, what they think of as pop punk is something that I can't, I just can't, quality, yeah. you know, I can't, I can't endorse it, but you guys definitely play that throwback style. Yeah, I mean I, that's 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 where I that's where I'm at. That's kind of where I've always been at. <laughs> but it's like, but it's like you guys, but you go back to the Ramon source. You know, or the original source, as opposed to the later, a lot of the bands from that same era were photocopies of photocopies of photocopies. You know, it just kind of got further and further away from the from the source source material. Right. So, you know, you, <laughs> it's very so, deep, Tom. You're getting very deep tonight. I'm sorry, I'm, in, I'm, I'm. It's deep, all right. It's getting deep, all right. <laughs> so, uh, do you ever? We, we we have a couple questions we always love to ask people. Do you know any of the Ramones? Have you had any interaction with any of the Living Ramones, or do you ever do anything with any of them? So we uh we we played a show with Marky Ramones, Marky Ramones band, Marky Ramone, uh, mid two thousands. Was it the punk rock punk rock Blitzkrieg one that just did Ramones songs, or was it like when he was trying to do like a uh, original band? He was just doing Ramones songs, and I can't remember the band. He had a backup band that was from like Ohio or something, hmm. and um didn't get to meet him. Hung out with his band, but uh, so I. I, I like he sequesters himself away. Sorry, I'm chewing my eyes. Yeah, I don't know what his deal is with that particular show. He kind of he was came out. He's looking for a new wig, I believe. That night. I was hoping you would tell us he was a total dick. He was either, wet from the show either that or that he was a cool guy because, yeah, I don't know. I know Joe's friends with him, so. And uh, like your story of uh, getting that autograph and being kind of kind of blitzed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had that same experience with Joey Ramone. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was roading with the queers, the queers, the Lillingtons, and the Explosion, and uh, the last it was like we, a thirty. Built. I mean, oh, Lillingtons and queers go together great, but Explosion was sort of the Explosion uh, anyway. are great, man. The Explosion, they're, they're, they're amazing. They blew me yeah. away, to be honest. Uh, yeah. So I'm thirty nights in a row opening for the queers, and then two months later they're on Virgin Records. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, they were super cool dudes, and I kind of knew who some of the members were from. Boston area, like punk and hardcore Boston. bands. But uh, 
anyhow, so it was the last day of that tour. It was the Continental in New York City. Um, and Joey Ramone showed up at the show nice. to uh, see the queers. So we'd gotten a little heads up that he was coming. But I was behind the merch table. I was last day of tour. All my buddies from Mass had come down to the show. Uh, I took advantage of the queers' drinks tickets. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Joey showed up. I wound up taking a queer shirt from the merch bin and had him sign a queers all-star shirt. And I had I had my picture taken with him on a disposable camera, and uh, some random girl took it and she held the camera backwards. So oh. I didn't know that. I didn't know that until you know a couple weeks later. But apparently I Joey... she apparently she been pretty deep in the drink too, huh? Probably. Well, she wanted to, <laughs> she wanted to show him a picture of her tits. Is what it was. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe yeah. At any other point, that would have been rad. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Yes. So that was my Joey Ramone story. Yeah, there wasn't any uh, any real small talk. I was I was telling this story just recently on a I did a, did another podcast and uh, when I was with the queers they we had a lot of times where we'd stop you know get get to a show early and you know Joe knows everybody yeah like you know we we were at a show in California and we had lunch with Metal Mike mm-hmm. oh Angry Owens yeah. yeah you know so that Owens, was before, yeah. before the show I think he's at the show he sang My Old Man's a Fatso with the queers that nice. night. And, uh, you know, we had lunch one day with Dusty Watson from uh, Agent Orange hmm. and uh, Dick Dale and stuff. And so I was like, man, thinking back, I'm like, shit, it would have been cool if we had had, like, lunch with Joey. <laughs> you know, but, yeah, he was at the show. So that's my Ramon story. Hmm. Um, other, other than that, we were booked with Richie Ramon just last year. And it, Did you get out of that one, luckily? <laughs> nice. It would have been fun. But uh hmm. CJ, I know I would have loved to play have played with CJ and I missed a couple opportunities when he was around and I really love the records he's been putting out. Yeah. I th- I think CJ's the best ambassador left for the band, if we're being honest at this point. Yeah. Um I, I we you know, we we've we've got we've gone into this a couple times before, but Marky wrote a book. And I read it, and it's it's okay. It's kind of interesting, but he kind of pissed on his dead bandmates, and it, it sort of irritated me. So I sort of have a negative Marky attitude. I, Richie, eh, I mean, his band's not that great, but I, I you know, he's, he's, he seems like he's doing all right. But CJ seems like he's the, just just seems to have the good attitude, and you know, is still doing original music. Not yeah, he's doing original off, music. He's not just living yeah, off I mean, his I mean, own stuff. Listen, yeah. listen, Marky, Marky is is just you know living off a lot, you know. You go see a Marky set. Half those songs that he plays are from before he was even in the band. Right. You know, he's sort of living off the first three albums still. You know, but hey, listen, I, I don't begrudge him that. Listen, the guy can make a living playing Ramon songs. The fact of the matter is, I'll go see him play Ramon. <laughs> you just argued with yourself from one end of that I, I to guess. the other. I guess. <laughs> I see I'm still play. irritated about the book where he talked poorly about Joey and his Johnny dead yeah. bandmates that he's that are incapable of defending themselves. Right. You know, he, didn't, he didn't talk trash about Johnny when Johnny was still alive. Because he didn't dare. Right, you know? He's probably afraid of him. Yeah, yeah Johnny exactly. knocked his wig off. It's funny. I, it's funny. I won't. I won't say it. I won't say it while we're recording. But Joe. Joe gave us a little insight into Marky. That was pretty funny, actually. Oh, but sure. uh, <laughs> hey, hey, whatever happened to the explosion? Because I mean, they they got signed to Virgin, right? And then they just kind of disappeared. They did like they, one of them only. Didn't it, they? I never followed. To be honest, I only I only have the the first record, Flash, 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 Flash right? Yeah, and then they had a couple of really good Branch. EPs like Steel this. I have. Yeah. Well, they did the black tape. That was like the full length, right? 
That was the one on Virgin. Yeah. Black Tape was that the one was on Virgin. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, the one before and that, I, Flash, 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 was the, was the classic one. Then they did a couple of EPs on Jade Tree, I think, and maybe one right. on Revelation or something. But, and uh, interestingly enough, the Jade Tree stuff was... Um, they were filling out a contract for Damien, who was in the band from In My Eyes, to believe they were doing the Jade Tree releases for to fill out In My Eyes contract. Huh. huh. I don't remember them. I don't remember In My Eyes. But yeah, they were, they were Boston Boston hardcore band. I don't know how big they were because I wasn't really into that the real hardcore stuff mm. too much. But um, yeah, the uh, back to CJ Ramon. What's so awesome is how he. Uh, he celebrates he celebrates the members of the band as as friends as bandmates and as a from a fan perspective at the same time yeah it's pretty cool you know and it's just he's he's a, he's a true ramon you know what i mean and and when he makes his own records he doesn't try to be the ramones no no nope which is which is you know pretty cool too admirable so Admirable. There we yep. go. All exactly. right. What song? What song are we up to, Neil? Um, which do you want to do? Dreaming again, or what I'm thinking? Well, let's do dreaming again. All right, dreaming again. What album is this off? Dreaming again is also from "Is This How It Ends." Okay. Why don't you uh, tell us what's, what? Tell us about the song a little bit. So, uh, in 2008, I, I remember was, it well. I was in the studio. With, uh, we were doing "Playing the Chords We Love" with my drummer Maddie. So Maddie was with the band for three years at that point, three and a half years. He was leaving the band. I found a new drummer, Jimmy. And Dreaming Again was the first song that I wrote with Jim on drums. As the whole band changed at that point. And uh, so Dreaming Again was kind of the start of the next era coming after playing the chords we love. And a new drummer. And Jimmy is a very different drummer, whereas... I think a lot of the drummers I played with were kind of really fit the pop punk kind of thing. And Jimmy, Jimmy's influences were kind of all over the place. Mm. And he, and I think it really, I uh, put it this way. Like, I mean, Maddie's an awesome drummer and we did some kick-ass stuff together and I love playing and writing with Maddie. Uh, what Jimmy's got, he kind of challenges me. He takes what I, we feed off each other and um, I have to work harder writing songs with him. But it, we there's just like there's this different chemistry. I know you mean that as a compliment, even if it doesn't come across that way. Right? He makes writing <laughs> songs that much harder. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is like it, I know. It, just, I yeah, no, it makes it harder and it challenges me to to better myself because to follow him, it's not just following a one two three four one two three four. I have to change the way I play guitar. I, I've learned a lot playing with him, and it, and and he has a I don't know like an emotion that comes through in his drumming hmm. that that matches my emotion for the music I'm, I'm writing. And I, I feel like it's a next level. Cool. So uh, dreaming again, I have everything that's on, is this how it ends heartless and dreaming again. And uh, that pretty much that whole record is uh, the stuff I did with Jimmy on drums. And then he left after that and he came back for ambivalence. So yeah, I definitely mean it in uh, the most positive way. But yeah, and Adam, Adam Taylor, who played with me in the Grand Prix, joined the band at the same time. So that and Adam, Adam came up with the uh, intro part of that song. There's a little da 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 da, which we wound up using throughout the song. And uh, the, yeah, it was a nice collaboration in a new era. Two hmm. very talented musicians 
And um, like I said, it kind of felt to me like that was the beginning of the next level, you know. All right. Well, let's hear it. Dreaming Again by the Prozacs. He finally pulled that out. Yep. With it's that that drummer. That, I don't know. Your drummer Jimmy sounds kind of emo to me, but I guess we'll. <laughs> no, it sounds. We'll you know what? You know what well, it sounded like. It sounded like the Clash when 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 they got rid of uh, Terry Chimes and uh, and Topper came in, and uh, the whole band had to basically almost relearn how to play when Topper you know came in because Topper was so damn good. The Clash is one of his biggest uh, his biggest influences are definitely Bill Stevenson, 
and um, the Clash, the Exploited, Nirvana. That's an odd mix right there, my friend. That's all over the place. place. (laughs) He's very, very big into um, old reggae, uh, Desmond Decker. Mm -hmm. Love it. And um, Toots, who just passed away. And he's taught me a lot about that stuff because I just never really got into that world. And he's a drummer. Like, you know, some guys guys are musicians and they, like me, I'm not a guitarist. I play guitar. Yeah. I guess I'm a guitarist, but like, I don't live for the guitar. I live for writing the songs. Right. But Jimmy's like, you know how to play your songs, but if somebody said, Hey, can you play this? You'd be like, no, I only know how to play my songs. Right. <laughs> right. And Jimmy, Jimmy is like, you know, the drums are his, his tool to do what he does. Mm-hmm. So mm. he takes, he takes his drums very seriously. And that, you know, again, that, that puts into him really analyzing, taking the time, trying to, trying to do what's right for the songs. He's not trying to be flashy. He, you know, he has a playing style that, just, you know, whatever. I can go on and on. I love Jimmy so much. <laughs> and uh, oh, cool. at this point with the Prozacs, I, with all the changes, I've, I'm sitting back now and like I'm Jimmy's the drummer of the Prozacs now. Whatever happens with the Prozacs, unless somebody leaves the band, I'm not gonna look for people to try to be like, I need a new lineup because these guys can't do this right now and they can't do that. I'm kind of settled in. Mm. Well, you, can, you know what I mean. Unless, unless Maddie comes back. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got no. ten more members to catch up with the cheats, so come on, exactly. get on, get on it, would you? Yeah, yeah, I got my Sonic Diffuser going, so we'll. Uh... I got a Sonic Reducer. Sonic Reducer. <laughs> Sonic. So you got your Sonic Diffuser going. You mentioned another band earlier. Um, Stiletto I mean, bombs. Stiletto bombs. I mean, how many? That's not active anymore. Um, we're we're actually hoping. <laughs> oh, that's great! You? That's a great name. Yeah, we got some songs on deck, and um, I'm not sure about the whole lineup. But uh, so here's the story between Stiletto Bomb. Again, when I was doing my solo record back in uh, 2013, uh, the Prozacs were on eggshells because I didn't know if I wanted to kind of lay it to rest and just move on. Part of it had more to do with all the people that have been through the band. And at the time, I felt like maybe we were such a mess that maybe people didn't give a shit about the Prozacs anymore. So Jimmy and I took the songs that we were writing for the next Prozac's record, which would have been his debut record. And we, we started a, a new project called J Prozac and the Stilettos. And that band promoted my solo album. Here's my heart. Hmm. And within, within a few months, the band was expressing wanting to be its own band. And uh, my wife sings in that band. So we're, we're, we're dual vocalists. Hmm. And my wife has appeared on, all the major Prozac's releases. I was going to say, there's a female voice on a lot. Is that your wife? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Other than the first album, my wife is on everything from like 2004 on. And uh, so uh, Stiletto Bomb was kind of, you know, I intended it to kind of be this like solo band. Hey, end the Prozac's, kind of do the Kepi Gooley, Dan Vapid thing. Here's my new band, but I'm going to play the old catalog anyways. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, so we wound up turning into Stiletto Bomb. And uh, that was with me and Jimmy. So the first EP we did was called In the Dark. And most of that material was what we were writing. It was in the vein of Heartless and where we left off with the Prozacs. But our mentality was we were ending the Prozacs. And uh, the lineup for Stiletto Bomb was a little heavier. Uh, the guitarist is like, his influences are all over the fucking place. He wouldn't. He refused to play, to play any kind of like weasel type lead, you know, mm. a sing, you know, which is basically what I play. 
And uh, but you know, so the influence of that band took, kind of stepped up the notch. But what got confusing was Jimmy wound up being out of the band, and Maddie came in. So I had a period of years where I had these the Prozacs, I had Stiletto Bomb, I was playing out solo, but it was always Jimmy or Maddie on the drums, back and forth, back and forth. So you know what I mean? It was it, it all just I so kind of never the continuity. It all like kind of came in, and the songs were I didn't write totally specific slaughter bomb was cool because my wife was writing some material um and uh you know both of us are singing the guitars like i said were heavier and had more of a metal influence over some of the stuff that we were doing like i was writing and then we did the second ep with maddie on drums but we kind of carried over the side of the prozacs maddie and i were doing and but anyhow at this point uh we did ambivalence which kind of tied for me tied all the projects together you know what i'm saying it kind of took um different elements like the song out of my face which was written back to back with like heartless and stuff but that was more of the vein of like stiletto bomb and my wife sang on out of my face but it wound up on the prozac's record and wishing and waiting which was written specifically to be on my next solo record so these things that i mentally had already kind of put in different places, got all mashed up on ambivalence, which is why I named the record ambivalence ah. was kind of having this kind of mixed up lost of direction. sort you know, uncertainty, not sure. And uh, that's, that's where the name of ambivalence came from. I, I was going to okay. call my solo record ambivalence. And wound up. That's, what, <laughs> that's what happened. So Stiletto Bomb was a project with my wife, and it's it's awesome. I love playing with her. I've always the difference is she uh, with the Prozac. She always kind of came in and did guest vocals, and she would jump on stage with us sometimes. Sure. But uh, she never really got to spend any time with the material. It was like, hey, want to come in and sing this verse or do some backup vocals or whatever. So Stiletto Bomb was an opportunity for her to be more involved because we kind of we split. So we'd split the lyrics on some songs. I would sing a whole song. She would sing a whole song. Hmm. So she was writing her own lyrics and singing her own lyrics. So it was kind of, you know, it was a cool, a cool opportunity. And uh, Jimmy and I have been discussing over the last year or so about, we got some songs that we'd like to do as Stiletto Bomb. We think it would fit where we were headed there. And so once we get this Prozac's record wrapped up, I think we're going to try to put together something as stiletto bomb (laughs) it's just weird that you have to i i i I, you know you're not the first person i've talked to that has this situation where it's like what do you do with this what do you you know it's like do you know when you're writing a song do you know which projects it's going to be for or do you just kind of see how it turns out or it's just especially if you're writing for you know three four different projects at the same time in all honesty um like my approach is uh i feel like anything i write could be a prozac song so with that in mind, I'm, you know, like, especially after doing ambivalence and whatnot, I'm, I think the Prozac's catalog just shows anything I write will, could fit in there. Mm. So when I do like a solo record, I kind of emphasize on a certain aspect and maybe I grow off of that, you know, like I'm going more poppy. You produce a different, are, put acoustic yeah, guitars pretty, or whatever. Yeah. Right, right, right. But all the elements are generally in the Prozac somewhere. And the same thing with Stiletto Bomb. Uh, the original thought was being a little a little heavier, a little more aggressive, 
Um, and uh, we did that first EP. And yeah, me and Jimmy sit back and we're always like, man, like they would have been Prozac songs. They were Prozac songs. But yeah. you know what? The guys that played on it weren't in the Prozacs. And Andrea's singing as the way she sang and as much as she sang, that was never, you know, the Prozacs weren't that heavy with that. So, uh-huh. so that project can stand on its own, even though I internally conflict it. Because believe me, no one likes to hear when I'm talking about it. Like, they're like <laughs> but uh, that's how I look at it. I'm like, every song I write is a Prozac song. But if I, you know, like the new project, Sonic Diffuser, the difference here is the only difference is I'm, I'm not introducing the songs to the Prozacs and then taking them to Stiletto to, uh, you know, because when I was doing Stiletto Bomb and the solo stuff, a lot of those songs I jammed, the solo material, I, I jammed many of those songs with Jimmy on drums while we were in the Prozacs. Huh. But we were just moving so slowly and had so much material. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were t- they were already, Jimmy's like, oh, I remember when we jammed on that. Huh. So with Sonic Diffuser, I'm writing, the material I'm bringing is brand new. So, oh, so you better not be, be the guys would be like, dude, why are you giving your best songs to your other band? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so yeah, anyhow. You know, it, well, it's, it's one of those things, you know, it, 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 you know you're, you're a little older. You don't have any, you know, it's not like you're trying to make it at this point, right? Yeah, you're just no trying dragons to, to slay anymore. Yeah, you're just, playing the music, you're just playing the music you love and you play it as much as you can and you play as many shows as you can. And that's, you know, it, it just it, it, it's I think there's a certain piece that comes with not chasing that elusive you know sort of you know making a living playing music or whatever right i've never even looked at it that way i mean no even when you were when you're like 20 years old you weren't like man i just watched nirvana just you know kurt cobain just made 10 million dollars dude probably back then it was even less like yeah it was even less of like that kind of a thought i've never really had that thought i've loved what i'd love is the music getting to the the, the people or the potential people that would be into sure. it. But um, ultimately just writing, writing a song and recording it and having it is. That's the thing. Amaz- it's, it's amazing in itself every single time. And it's, um, you know, it drives me like a drug or something. You know, it's, mm. it is amazing. Sh- you get I one done. Sh- and you're not happy. You need to get the next one. Yeah. It's, it's you always got to get, it's like, you get a bigger fix next time. It's like, it that's is like, would, sure. yeah. So, so I always say, I'm, if I don't have any more songs left to write, I can finally take a fucking break. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, you got little clips, little pieces of paper, and napkins with words written all over them. Oh, believe me, ask my wife. You got you got another pile of those fucking stickers from work with <laughs> like nap. He's like, I you got a cell phone now. Just put everything in there. I still write stuff on paper. So the yep. the record label you're on, Out Loud Records. That's is that out of California or is that by you? Oh yeah, they're out of California. Okay, I'm kind of an up and coming, up and coming pop punk label. I think either that or they've been around forever, and I'm only recently getting aware of them. But I've seen them a lot more over the last couple of years. Dude, when I checked yeah. when I checked them out, they have so many bands and so many bands I've never heard of. It's crazy. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's. And I'll be honest, I kind of ride in the middle of. I mean, my my band has has had different levels of. I, I don't want to say success, but we've been at different tiers of the game. Mm-hmm. Not, not the real, real big ones, but some, you know, we've got to do a, we've been in areas that a lot of bands have never been. And I've been at real low areas. And, uh, so as far as like labels go, you know, I had cheapskate records was kind of our banner label over the years and they were putting out our, a lot of our early records. 
And, um, you know, a label like Out Loud, Matt, he's a super awesome dude from Out Loud. And he, uh, he's, you know, he's promoting the living shit out of a lot of bands that, great bands and, uh, you know, the kind of music that, you know, the Ramones inspired mm -hmm. pop punk and, uh, you know, a lot of bands that maybe wouldn't have that exposure. Um, you know, they he's running a lot of the labels these days, you know, they're not, they're not dumping money and pressing records and all that stuff. A lot of, there's a lot of, uh, say like distribution deals, mm -hmm. you know, which is, it's a different day and age. And, um, but uh, yeah, Out Loud's been really great. I've been working with Matt since 2006, 2015, I approached him. And we did the A Little Something EP, followed by Exist. And then we, we worked on Ambivalence. And um, he's done great with helping and promoting. And um, he's there for the bands. He's there for the people. He's there for the love of it. So hmm. there's a lot of great labels out there doing great things. And, you know, it's a lot of them have their their, their niche band, the bands that they're close to. And um, huh. I'll be honest, I'd be honest, I'm like, it's hard to tell. Like, things aren't as black and white as they used to be, you know? Yeah. With, um, back in the day, it was, you pressed a record, you pressed a thousand, you pressed a CD, whatever. It was kind of these hard numbers. Now it's, and they were, you know, a label did certain things, but now there's so many ways it can be done. I mean, and, nobody's, are, and nobody's moving the physical units that even they were right. 20 years ago, so. Right, and like, yeah. you know, like, me personally, I, I, you know, I have a hard time with like the short run sort of style of putting out music, which it's huge and it's beneficial. But I'm, I'm, dude, I, I still look at the back of a CD and I'm, look, I'm looking for that that glass pre packed press CD. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and but that's me. I understand. I, I've also been able to, you know, I can look at it and see how the. the how it's been, it's not beneficial to have 500 or a thousand CDs when you're selling 30 of them. Right. Yeah. Have all these boxes yeah. in your garage, right? Well, I well, mean, uh, you know. it looks like all the vinyl sold out of this one though, right? It was a pretty short run of the vinyl. It looks like. And, uh, uh the, ambivalence. the ambivalence. Yeah. Yeah. We, I've still got a few, uh, but we did 300 copies. Okay. And, um, well, that's not bad. I mean, by today's standards, that's not bad actually. Yeah. That's, I mean, I've got I'm shocked at some of these bands doing 100 copies. I'm like, how do you even, I mean, how does that even pay for a press? Yeah, it's, you know, and, and, and again, I get it. It's like, it's expensive to yeah. do. Making records is expensive, no question about it. And the reason the labels aren't doing the big numbers anymore is because they're not selling the big numbers, you know? Correct. If yeah. they could sell them, they'd press them. But, yeah, so, it's, the kids, I, I, you know, I, kids don't listen to music like we did. And I say we as everybody over 40 or even 35, where right. we value physical music. I value my records sitting in my living room. My wife doesn't, but I do. <laughs> Until you have to move them, and then you'll yeah, be like, exactly. Fuck. So I can't come up and help you move, Neil. I'm yeah. cursing you for buying all these records for the last fifty years. Yep. But yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think I think it's got to be able to kind of. Uh, I I'm the same way. I hold, I buy the CD version of stuff still too. I'll like I my stuff that I really love. Myself, I still yeah. buy the CDs. I buy the I'll buy I buy more LPs than I used to. To be honest, I didn't buy a lot of vinyl. I bought shitloads of seven inches in the nineties. Dude, you, that's just me. CD and seven inch. That was me. CD and seven inch. Now I'm going back and buying a lot more LPs. The culture changed, and maybe you're the same way I am because back in the day, seven inches 
contained exclusive songs. And, yep. Love the now, splits. Love split seven inches. Still, still do. Love the splits. You know. But most bands, including myself, you know, you put out a seven inch and then you're dropping them online, so it kind of defeats the purpose. It's still yeah. fun. It's still cool, but like, I don't think when you're getting That's, a digital of it, you don't really. Who? Yeah, you sit down and listen to an album. You want to change a seven inch over and over and over. Oh, I love getting up. I need the exercise. Yeah, digital. Yeah, yeah. Digital is disposable. I mean, basically, right? right? Well, it is to us, Neil. But it's just you know. But, but like I said, I've just only recently started to get into more digital, and it's more just at work. Oh, it's just handy. Just, I mean, it's just handy, right? If you because I don't in yeah, the car. I don't have, I don't have a player at work. I don't have a CD player at work. But right. I was definitely more of a CD than a vinyl guy, and I'm pretty sure my old English friend here has definitely made it made me worse on the vinyl thing. <laughs> such a vinyl snob. But I definitely have been adding a lot. And and the fact of the matter is, you know, I'm a guy who's in my 40s who still was going to 30-plus shows a year, you know. Right. And I don't have those shows this year, so I've been sort of drowning my sorrows in buying, you know. Buying vinyl. You know, buying those couple of pink Lincoln 7 inches I still don't have, you know, that kind of, that kind of oh, thing. Yeah. So, so it's all good, though. It's 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 been an, It's been an interesting year, you know. Yeah, we were very we were very close to sharing a label with the Pink Lincolns. <laughs> Which one? Stiff Pole or something? No, it was a label that was re repressing stuff uh, a few years ago on Jailhouse Records. Oh yeah, Jailhouse. I used to be really friendly with the guy from Jailhouse. He sort of disappeared. I don't know. He fell off the face of the earth. He was in jail. He passed away. He passed <laughs> oh, away. Shit. Dave. Dave passed away two years ago. Wow. We um we 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 spoke very heavily. He was gonna put out. The Prozac's exist album, and yeah, we uh, so we, we spent a lot of time. We became good friends, and we talked a shitload. He actually approached me when he started Jailhouse Records. Uh, I forget the year, mid two thousands, about doing a split. He was a new label. I I turned it down just because we were very very busy at the time. Hmm. So um, I kind of wish I did do the split with him. I, I worked with him. I worked with. I mean, I I don't I don't want to say I know. You know, I know him in the sense that like like I know you. You know, it's all digital now or email. You know, it's. I never. We never sat down and had a beer or anything. Yeah, but, I um, never met him. But, uh, but he. Uh, I worked with him a lot when I was. I, I still do write for Punk News, but I was writing for Punk News and I was really helping to push the blank seventy seven um, parasitics split. Yep. They did a full LP split, and I loved the record. And nobody else really seemed to give a crap, but I loved that record. It reminded me when I was 15 years old. You know, it just. It, it, but anyway, I did. I did not know that Dave was. Oh, that's that's too bad. That's sad. I, I yeah. wondered what happened to House. They had a pretty cool little catalog going. It was kind of a mixture of like some harder edge pop punk and some street punk and all kinds of stuff. So, huh. yeah, I was I was very excited just because you know again the Prozacs had put out an album in like, like it was like nine years. Hmm. And uh, had a you know so I was excited to have a label interested, hmm. but yeah it was, it was sad. I, I he disappeared off, off and on. I know he had some troubles, but yeah. Anyways, he passed away. So hmm. rest well, in peace, Dave. Well, we can't we can't we can't stop there. Okay, so let's play let's play. We got one more song of yours. We're gonna play, and we'll come back and yep. maybe do some parting thoughts, words of wisdom, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's like 150, 170 years worth of experience here we ought to be able to have some words of wisdom right maybe not, <laughs> maybe not. but anyway what's so what's what's our what's the last song what i'm thinking 
What I'm thinking, I know what you're thinking about, Neil, you sick bastard. <laughs> Which, so what, tell us about this song. Oh, that one's simple. That, that was a song kind of directed at uh, the mess I had of, a band, of the band stuff going on for a while. And it was just kind of a song of moving, saying, you know what? I don't give a fuck what's going on. I'm moving forward with or without you. There you go. So, you know, you wind up writing a song and then you wind up recording with some of the guys you're writing about. But <laughs> is what it is, right? Like meta, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what I'm thinking, uh, the last one tonight by the Prozacs. was thinking what i'm thinking it's what it's funny because you know you you chose your songs and you definitely picked from the kind of more serious end of your catalog i think yeah probably i mean that's what best represents you at 45 years old maybe and that's why i throw that emo one in there right Ten years ago, you'd probably pick the goofier ones. And well, that is the cool thing with like the well, split sevens and stuff. If you want, if you want to, if, if if you want to play Andrew, got a blowjob. You could always throw that one in there. I don't know that one. What's that from? It would. It was from a seven inch, but it's on cleaning out the closet. Okay. <laughs> it's a. It's abbreviated the title. A G, well, whatever. Andrew got a blowjob. Oh yeah. Could... Okay. Okay. I got you. <laughs> well, maybe we'll close. Maybe we'll close out with that. So. So. Going forward, you guys are in a good place. In the, I mean, you're not playing right, you know, you can't do a whole lot right now. But, I mean, it's like you guys, like the Prozacs have reached a certain level of peace where it's like we are what we are, and, you know, you're, you're happy with your current lineup, which is for you, right? Which is what? There's four of you, right? Or three? Because I know sometimes yeah, you've, yeah, you've, been, a, you've yeah. been a trio sometimes and sometimes a quartet. Yeah, yeah, we work whatever form we need to work, and we work, and we're a four piece right now. And it's uh, Jim. You, you prefer to have an extra guitar player, but if you don't have one, you just go forward anyway. Yeah, you know, you know, it's kind of one of those things. It's it, 
I like having, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice being a three piece. I like the aesthetics of a three piece and I, I like the music. Well, of a piece. One less person, one less person to not get along with. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the dudes I'm playing with now, I got Jimmy Craig on drums and Jimmy has been with, with me through several of the projects for 12 years now. So he's in, he's going to ride out. He's the, the Prozac's. Um, I got Jed Dion who's on guitar and he's uh, from a local band called No Intention. And he played with us briefly in 2007 for a couple months, and he joined back on guitar uh, about a year and a half ago. And I've got Kyle Carnage from uh, the band The Labor Pains. He's up in New Hampshire. So, great, yeah, I love these great guys. Punk name. Great punk name, Kyle Carnage. <laughs> his, band's, his band is great, too. Mm. Uh, so these guys are kind of, you know, I feel like the lineup right now brings me back. To the early days of the band mm. but like a grown-up version so i played with so many different people and so many wonderful people like you know most of the people that i played with it, has, it hasn't ended badly it's That's just cool. it's well, most that, of it's, that gets easier as you get older too isn't it because when you're younger everything is so important and when you get older you have better perspective i think right you know and uh so yeah i love the lineup it, like i said i almost feel like the next record is going to embrace what what the original lineup of the band may have been when it grew grew up you know hmm. well yeah. excellent so you uh so i would say how do how do our people uh support you you're not really selling anything at the moment what do they get what do you want them to do spotify you what's the best way to support well, the projects at this point dude i sold more merch since covid than have you really the last, you, last so couple you, years <laughs> how, do they, how do they get at that so I, I went through a few spurts where i just you know what? It's dumb that I don't have a web store. Okay. Um, I just don't have time for everything. But uh, I would I would do promotions on um, on Facebook and Instagram. So I had another project called Doubtfire, which we didn't even. <laughs> good God, man! <laughs> just <laughs> last of my yeah, good, he's very good Lord. I, you, I just write songs. You, you write songs like the rest of us, you know. You uh, you ever hear of the band the McCrackens? Oh yes. yeah. So Bill Bill from the McCrackens and I did an album together in 2014. Uh, then we called it Doubtfire as a one-off album, and we each wrote half an album's worth of material musically, and we traded off. So he got five songs from me. I got five from him, just music. Then we wrote lyrics for each other's songs, and we each sang the song that we wrote the lyrics for over their music. So everything I sing, everything I sing and wrote the lyrics for, Bill wrote the music and vice versa. And I flew to Vancouver for a week, and we recorded the album. So hmm. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna pick a Doubtfire song too for this. Well, we, but, man, uh, we, we were gonna we were gonna play the, the BJ song and the yeah. See, we can only get so many songs. It's gonna be a six hour fucking. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we're actually pushing towards two hours already, which is always a kind of a good sign. Actually, it means we didn't <laughs> means we didn't run out of run out of things to talk about. Yeah, yeah. But that being said, you know we always we always hate to test people's endurance too much with our with our nonsense, you know. I do my but, nonsense uh, might might be worse than yours. I don't know. Well, it's, no, it, listen, we appreciate you coming on, especially when you you really don't know us from Adam. But I I like I said, I noticed that you really have been making effort to kind of keep your band out there during this time. Well, so hold on, awesome. hold on a second. Awesome. So he was yes. say, he was saying how this people ha- see whenever I try whenever I try to wrap it up, this is what Neil said. Well, no, in. but he was, he was he formula. He was he was saying how people can get a hold of his merch and stuff like oh, that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you you yeah, have a I, store. You know, I mean, I've, 
there's there's late like out loud records uh pro rock records is out of uh hey Chicago good old pro rock good old kenny oh, we know pro. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we've had a, we've had a, one of his bands out before and probably we'll have more yep oh sweet so yeah i've been talking a lot with him so i'm sure you're gonna see something with the prozacs kenny seems to like to talk i think we're gonna have him on at some point too we're just worried if we're about worried about whether or not we can keep up with him Dude, I, I I know I text him. Hey, dude, what's up? And then <laughs> six pages like, later, forty pages, pages later. <laughs> yeah, Kenny's no awesome. I love Kenny. I think must have the best thumbs in the business. <laughs> well, you know, you can get our stuff from Mom's Basement Records and uh, the Machine Shop. Uh, there's European distros. Uh, Kevin Aper usually stocks us out there. And, oh, the uh, Aper is great. Um. So, but personal man, hit me up. Like I like I promote. I'll promote stuff on uh, on my Facebook and Instagram. And like I said, I go through spurts. And I'm like, hey, I got this package deal. And, you know, I've, I'll sell the entire CD discography of like 16 CDs for 30 bucks shipped. Nice. You know, and, but, you know, and then I, I sold a lot of the ambivalence records. I probably sold 50, 60 copies of ambivalence during COVID. Nice. And I moved over 100 CDs. Uh, mm. Oh. Up, up in Chicago, Siren Records, they, they bought a buttload of shit. Very supportive. So you we might have to find... add that to our list, Neil, when I come up there. We might have to add that to our list. Yep. Yeah, ch- check out Siren, man. They're, they're awesome. I've never been there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so a lot of just, you know, I like I said, I'll go through. I haven't done it in a while. But I'll post, like, you know, here's a Stiletto Bomb package. You got all the Prozac stuff. Check out T-shirt and two EPs and a bunch of stickers for that's, 15 That's on the jets. Prozac page, or that's, like, your personal page, or...? I, I'm promoting it through my personal page. I cross promote okay. here and there. I, like I said, I you know I should have a website. He's, he's in a thousand bands. Come on, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have drawn a flow chart here. Yeah, right. It's like a, the band the band tree. But no, that's good. Listen, like I said, it's it's good to stay busy. And I like I said, I think it's you know the bands that put a little more hustle into keeping their name out there during this time are going to be better off. No question about it. A lot of bands aren't going to. A lot of bands aren't going to make it, you know? You know what? Like uh, I said, we've never been a huge band, and I'm not a household name or any of that kind of shit. But over the years, dude, like just so many amazing fans. Like the, the fans yeah. that we have, some very loyal fans, like all over the world. And, you know, we've, we've picked up a lot of new people, and a lot of people disappear. But there's a core group that's always there. And yeah. fuck, man. I, if, if anything, I'm just so appreciative of anybody reaching out. I mean, this is kick ass. Yeah, we don't know each other. But now we got a couple hours in and uh <laughs> yeah. you know, next time we I come to Western Mass, we will have a beer. Yes, you will. And if you need a place to stay, you can crash. Wow, there we go. Anytime. <laughs> so Siren is in McHenry, so it's not in the city at all. So it's okay. one of the it's one of the other suburbs. It's one of the, like the western wow. suburbs. But uh that's, that's fine. Now, I know I'll definitely hit it though cuz it looks uh, looks pretty cool. So, yeah, well, all right. Well, so listen. Parting, parting thoughts, Jay. Parting thoughts. Words of wisdom. Follow your heart. Stay true. Don't give up. Don't wow. give a shit about what other people have to say. Uh, believe in yourself first. If you don't believe in what you're doing, no one else is gonna believe it, or they're gonna catch on to your game at some point. So, if you can't be happy with what you're doing from the heart of it, you know. Holy shit, that was like wow, 10. That was, that really was like good. 10 different that was, ones, that was dude. really good. Most people just go <laughs> when we do that. It's like he was prepared. Yeah, it was. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, dude, I've, been, I've been I've been preaching it for my whole music career almost, so. Well, thank Listen, dude, thanks for coming on and talking to us. It's been an enjoyable 2 hours. I hope some people, new people discover your music through this and man, best of, best of luck going forward. I hope uh 
I don't know how far you're going to be able to travel to, into America's heartland, you know, the real America here in the Midwest. But if you do, yeah. be, we'd love to catch up sometime. Yeah, definitely. Um, thank you guys so much. Yeah, man. I totally appreciate you reaching out. Dude, thanks for coming yeah, on. Yeah, we, really, we appreciate it. Really when, you're, when you're new, uh, maybe when you, your uh, new album is ready, that solo album that will no doubt become a Prozac's record, we can do it again. Or Angry Stilettos <laughs> or you know, some of those hey, other I, bands. I'll tell you what. You get six more band members, get up into the 30s, and we'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, if you want to go, we want to talk fill-ins, and I, you know, we're good. Like, I think you, <laughs> I've had more fill-ins than actual members. But I, oh, there you go. She's in the 60s. All right. But anyway, cool, man. Thanks a lot, and... Uh, be good, and we'll, uh, we'll talk. We'll yeah. talk later on. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Have a good yep. night. Yep. So stay free you know, you and can, keep a little mark in your heart. Yep. Complaints if you don't do your stay. Keep a little mark in your heart. Stay free. Okay, bye, everybody. <laughs> Rock and roll. <laughs>